0: You are listening to Tabletop Genesis, a podcast by Genesis fans for Genesis fans. Hi there, this is Mike Lord and Tom Roche and we are Tabletop Genesis and we are here today to talk about the latest Peter Gabriel track which is called
1: This is Home
0: This is Home and we are both at our respective homes recording this so let's hear us a little bit of the Peter Gabriel track to kick off our little discussion <laughs>
2: Why might you show me here beside the churning sea?
0: was one of the live tracks that spoiler alert sorry for people who might not have seen the tour <laughs> yet but this was played live at the show so this was the first track that i think we're getting that we heard it live before we heard the studio version
1: right for those who you know unless you haven't seen the concert yet then you will have heard it before the show but for us it was the first of the eight that had previously been released We did hear some of those, or all, I won't say what, but yeah, this was the first one that was a surprise, not a surprise, but a brand new track that I figured we'd be hearing some stuff that hasn't been released yet. So I was anticipating an unfamiliar song, and and this was one of them. I believe he dedicated it to his mother. I don't know if he did it at this show, but he has at other shows. I
0: think it was a different song that he dedicated to his mother. Something called And Something. Oh, Um, And Still. Yes, correct. Okay. That's what All it is. Right, so strike so, that, <laughs> <laughs> take that out of the record. So the um, but I will say my initial impressions, both live and the studio versions, I really liked this song. I liked it live, and I enjoyed the studio version. listened to it a bunch yesterday and then today with with headphones. And again, the detail of the mix is very interesting to me. Listening to it through speakers, I couldn't really detail the um, male choir or the chorus that he talked about in the first bridge. But then with headphones, I could hear it very clearly. And the interesting thing for me is I, I usually feel I have a pretty good musical memory. But the second bridge to me in the recorded version sounds very different than it sounded live. Not in a good or bad way. It just feels different to me. So overall, that's my my general impressions of this. How about you, Tom?
1: Yeah, I heard a little bit of a a male choir, and immediately I said, "Oh, that's a Swedish male choir Orfai Dranger. you know <laughs> duh unrecogni- i mean instantly recognizable. It jumps right out at you <laughs> again yeah he he mentions that in the in the write up for this song. I may have heard a little bit of a background choir, but nothing that stood out like uh that would like take center you know equal stage to Peter's voice it, it was either very low or perhaps we'll hear more of it in the bright side mix or the other side considering that this was the dark side mix i, I remember again this is a spoiler but i think by this time <laughs> most people have seen the show there were three songs that he hasn't released yet overall right. uh, apparently of the 12 that are going to be on the album he did play them and i think this was my third favorite out of the three of the three that you that we hadn't heard yet hadn't heard yet got it it was just a I really don't have any recollection other than placing it third, okay, in the concert, but listening to it since you know it came out the other night, it grew on me, but not to the point where I love it. It's kind of like a that voice again for me, okay, like that voice again is to so. we're like, yeah, I enjoy listening to it, but it's not one that you know I would really go to from that album or I'm trying to think of another like kiss of life from the fourth mm-hmm. album. Like something that I wouldn't skip. It's fine. I, I listen to it. I like the beat, but I, it just cozed in and out and then I'm done with it. Like it's, it's just a track that's there. And and if I had got bought this album without hearing anything, it would have been one that I've been like, okay, that's nice. But I would look forward to hearing the other songs more.
0: Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's not a song that jumps out to me, but I think that's what I like about it. I liked the groove, like the groove really works for me. And the fee- that feel of it can sustain me for the five minutes of the song or however long it is. And it's not a song that I think that I'm going to need to pay super close attention to when it comes on. But I think every time I hear it, I'm going to enjoy hearing it.
1: Right. That's like I'm saying, it's not a skipper, but it's not one that I'm like, oh, right. I need to go specifically say, Alexa, play This Is Home by Peter Got Gabriel. It. Yeah, like
0: like I think that. Whereas for me, you compared to th- to that voice again. I I like this certainly more than that voice again. Oh really? Oh yeah. That voice again to me is the weakest track on. So hold on one second,
1: Alexa, stop. <laughs> <laughs> she actually she listens. She knows to listen to me.
0: Oh yes. Yeah. So it's one of the few people who does
1: right. Because well, I really like the song. That voice again.
0: It's it's has it has never really grabbed me. And it's again, it's not bad, but I don't if that song disappeared from so, I'd probably forget it existed within a day or two. Like it it just doesn't doesn't grab me. But so for me, this is definitely a step up from that voice again. And it's it's in that kind of probably high middle range of the songs from IO so far. It's it's not quite an up dancey type of song but it just has that mellow groove to it that keeps me interested throughout the entire track and it's very different from from i don't want to say from anything else gabriel has done but from a lot of his other music he talks in the video that you referenced the the full moon video that he kind of did this quiet voice loud voice type of thing which he says he doesn't do that often but then i'm like i could i thought of like a bunch of examples where he does it like i think i grieve is an, is another example of that <laughs> kind of quieter voice and then kind of pushing it over the edge at the end and to me it feels like one of his bag of tricks so when he says that oh i don't do this that much i'm like really i thought you do this all the time in good ways, not not in a negative way.
1: I've, I've kind of heard that before. Oh, I've never done this before. And then they're an expert at it. But we'll leave that <laughs> to another podcast. Right. It's, it's coincidental you should mention I Grieve because that's the song I hear when this song starts out. Sure. When this, this home starts out, it's got this groove to it, which is like the bridge of I Grieve. And all the dogs and the cats and the flies mm. and the rats in okay. the rod and the rust. It's kind of got that little... Fast shuffling kind of funky beat to it that I started singing those lyrics when this song started. Interesting, and then it kind of switches out once he actually gets into the verses. I look into the deepest sky. Then it kind of feels like a more positive vibe than maybe that bridge and I grieve. Yeah, and it's a as he said, it's a love song. He said that in the his write up, his email, right. and I can see that you know this because I know this is home. Home is where I need to be. I know you are my home. Like it's a very simple song, I think lyric-wise and yeah. some of the other ones previously. Like it's just a straight up, you know, there's a storm, you're my calm. There's a churning sea, you're the calm that comes over me, that kind of thing. So it's yeah. and it kind of just goes in and goes out like there's, there's nothing too complicated about it. Right. That's why I think it just it didn't leave a big impression like a song playing for playing for time or right. even the court even though I'm not a huge fan of the court like that left an impression on me
0: right it had some emotional impact for you and yeah i think i think this is meant to be just one of those mellow type of hey i'm just enjoying life i'm here home is where my heart is this type of thing and it's just a very satisfied song to me it's not yearning for something in the video though there was the funniest thing in the video that Peter referenced. What do you think I think is the funniest thing
1: in the in the video about this song? Shoot, I was watching it in the car, not oh, while okay. I was driving <laughs> <laughs> okay good. I was picking my daughter up, and I was waiting okay. for her to the bus to pull up, so I was watching this on my phone in the car and so I might not have had a hundred percent focus on it but what was the he talks about that
0: this song started out working with dj skrillex or skrillex i don't know if you have to say dj before that or not and (laughs) he said that skrillex was really trying to push him into writing a song about like going out and clubbing staying out late at night type of thing and gabriel (laughs) just goes and that's not really who i am (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, and I was just true. like,
0: like, yeah, I don't know if Strelitz was really thinking about who he was working with in this case <laughs> about, oh, yeah, Peter Gabriel's going to hit the clubs as, you know. I don't even know if Gabriel did that much when he was in his 20s or 30s, let alone Probably not, in his no. 60s or 70s. So that to me, I was just like, and, and Gabriel very politely in the video was just like, I s- kind of, I steered the song in a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I but I appreciate that he appreciated. Appreciated, kind of, and he says, he said it's about being pushed into different directions and that, you know, this is again, besides the example of I grieve, it is, it is not your stereotypical Peter Gabriel song. It's not something that I could look at. Like, like the, you mentioned the court, the court is weird enough in a Gabriel-esque way that I'm like, oh yeah, this is a Peter Gabriel song. Whereas if I heard this and if, if somebody else was singing it, I wouldn't necessarily think, oh, this sounds like something Peter Gabriel would have written. True. I like it for that diversity in that it's not, it's not a, not that the other songs have been carbon copies of each other, but it certainly is not a carbon copy of any of the other songs we've heard so far off of this album.
1: No, it, it did stand out. Like, uh, I, again, like some of the songs, like So Much, where, I, you know, I like the song better than So Much. And yeah. maybe even put it in around the middle of the pack yeah. of the songs that have come out so far, but yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine. You know, it's, it's it, is fu-
0: it is not a song that I think is going to inspire a lot of passion from people. And it's, I think that again, if, if please correct us, if, if we're wrong about this, if you've, if this is your favorite track off of this album, let us know because it is something that i think will be much more of just a more yeah this is a good mellow mood setter and everything i could see it playing you know in the background at a at a cocktail party type of thing and just having that vibe to it that that works so again yeah, yeah high middle of the pack for me so that's where that's where i'm going to put this
1: i did love i know sometimes we don't really touch on the artwork mm. uh but i did love the artwork for this one Mo- it's kind of like two different staircases leading up to different, you know, a common staircase leading up to two different doors. Right. And I just like it because it reminds me of this online game called Monument Valley. <laughs>
0: okay. How you played it. It's
1: kind of like a online puzzle app where like okay. you have to get the princess up these staircases and you can flip them 180 degrees, 360 ah, okay. if you need to like get the cert, get her to reach a certain level. And it looks exactly like this cover. So okay, it made me miss that game. <laughs>
0: for being blind to visual art as i am i i did also like this artwork i was like oh that's nice like i if i saw that in a museum or in an art gallery somewhere i'd be like oh that's nice you know so that's again that's that's my level of appreciation for these things <laughs> but it was i don't know if i would have connected it to this song perhaps because i have the visuals from the concert which we'll talk about on our next episode linked to this more in my head than I do the the artwork for it. But I will say I like the artwork. So I concur with you although I
1: don't have the video game connection as you do. Well per- perhaps the two doors represent one that you go in and one you come out.
0: Well, I would if I can replicate this this artwork 16 times so that there would then be 32 doors. I might like it even more. (laughs) Yes. If if we want to make some lamb references, I will I will match you toe for toe with that. Excellent. Excellent. So yes. So all right. So well that's the song. And Tom, you had mentioned before you also wanted to talk a little bit about a book that you received recently.
1: Yeah, so you know, wanted to thank one of our listeners. He calls himself the the Underwater Listener, ah. because he listens to our show with underwater speakers when a either a snorkeling or scuba scuba diving. Really, yeah. that's
0: uh, how many of our <laughs> listeners listen to that. I thought he might be like a a aquanaut studying, like <laughs> kind of living on the ocean floor somewhere. Or no, one of our like, rare
1: dolphin listeners. He's like George Costanza. He's a marine biologist. <laughs> exactly. So,
0: well, well, Gabriel is into very much into the animal
1: intelligences. So it could be a dolphin listener too. And and the, a theme often focuses on water. So it could yeah, be. You know. Yeah. There we go. All right. Anyway, his name is Mikey Towie. Hello, Mikey. He was he was kind enough. Uh, he had gotten a copy of this book from the Genesis Museum called the Genesis Museum Collector's Exhibit. Mm. And he was so enthusiastic about it that he mentioned it to us, and I think I had seen people posting about it. Sure, Genesis News I think posted a little bit about it.
0: Yeah, and we had members of the Genesis Museum
1: on on the
0: show a while back
1: too. Right, Adam Gottlob and Toma or Thomas Manshon Yes, uh, when they were talking about the remastering of the Clan. That's right. Video. I think this was mostly a passion project of Adam and you know a few others that he works with at the Genesis Museum, which is kind of like an online repository of Genesis stuff, everything, <laughs> buttons, yeah. pins, concert tickets, memorabilia, uh, concert programs, everything and everything under the sun. They're also responsible for taking footage that people have lent to them or given to them, like 16 millimeter or right. 9 millimeter, and then remastering, going through it, producing it in 4K. Again, we talked about the Bataclan, but they've done a number of shorter clips too. Just a whole bunch of things that they do. And, and Adam put this book together and talked to a lar- large number of collectors around the world. And mm-hmm. what I like about this is, if you want to know about the history of Genesis, when did Phil join? Why did Steve leave, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> there are hundreds of books that cover yes. those topics, but this isn't one of them. This primarily focuses on the collector and the mindset of a collector. okay. Why do people go to such great lengths to bid on items that mm. are waste too expensive for them <laughs> right or, you know, to try to or you know to try to satiate the completest, In themselves like oh I must have this concert stub from 1972 right like what makes them wake up at 12 a.m. to be the last minute bidder on an ebay (laughs) item like right so it's really interesting because and he interviews a lot of people some of them like Serge Morissette is that his name sure
0: yeah I think he's works with the musical box. right yeah
1: just about like why they collect what they collect and the overall theme is that they realize that a lot of it's crazy (laughs) <laughs> sure. Right. I I think uh, Jack Bierman, who we both know, he yeah, also right. has some contributions to this, and he was saying he he was with somebody at a record store, and some really rare piece of memorabilia came out, or a, an EP of Nursery Crime. Okay. He's like, I shouldn't be buying this. I have the songs, but I'm buying it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I think
0: Jack told me a story about that he bought at a record store somewhere the like the ticket for the shrine show, the lamb show that's on the back of the archive that he provided to the band for them to use as on as memorabilia on that set. So it's like he was just like, yeah, that I was selling it. And I think he even said it wasn't super expensive, but it was just like. He just wanted it, and then it ended up being <laughs> kind of referenced or, or being lent out for that use. So,
1: and that was another good common theme about. I mean, I've only gotten gone through about a quarter of the book so far, but sure, that it's helping to keep the history of the band alive. Like yeah. a lot of the stuff, the band either might not have kept in the early days, mm. or just didn't see, think it was that important. But fans who have you know loved this band since they were in their mid teens, when you're really finding out what you love. They're the ones finding this stuff, sharing it, trading it, and as you know, you said, lending it or providing it to the actual Genesis band when they're doing yeah. releases, re-releases, box sets, et cetera, and they want some kind of photographic history of whatever they're re-releasing. And most yeah. oftentimes not. It's the fan who has this and and is more than happy to... Yeah. Provide this given that maybe they'll get their name on a Yeah, exactly. Official get a Genesis little bit experience. of a credit there. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: that's the fun part of it. So, so do you collect anything yourself, Tom? Anything music or Genesis related or I mean, I know you've been getting into the vinyl, having gotten a a, a actual record player recently, but I don't know if that's really if you consider that collecting or not.
1: No, and I think they even make a distinction in the book like it's not like you like music so you buy the music which is kind yeah. of like I've been doing with vinyl got it and i i've tried to look back at like my genesis collection throughout the years and how i kind of went in waves there was a hmm. period around 98 99 i think when the first archive or was the second archive came out Something around the that time. The first one
0: came out in 98
1: or 99, I want to say. So all that right. was... And I remember in L.A., I had a whole shelf ceiling to floor. It was my Genesis shelf. It had okay. all the CDs, about 200 bootleg CDs. Oh, sure. Concert tickets, programs for shows that I didn't even go to. Right. That you uh, picked like up a... at
0: a record store or some sort of or flea eBay, market type like, of thing. Or eBay. Okay, sure.
1: Like a, a Duke... Okay. Concert out. Concert program. I was nine years old when Duke. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So so there's no way I was there, and I don't think I was ever a super collector. If I saw something that was affordable and looked very interesting, I would buy it. But I, I never went too crazy. I mean, I enjoyed looking at my shelf, and you know, I have a lot of VHS tapes, which honestly I just aren't doing (laughs) anything, just sitting on the shelf. But if I saw it, I'd buy it. Even these like no name documentaries where they can't use any of the music because they're not an officially... <laughs> right. So, you know, it's I I enjoyed picking up stuff here and there. I'm kind of... Maybe it's my age, but I'm not at the point where I need to collect more and more things. Right. I like having a few autographs, which is nice. Peter, I got, and Steve, you know, obviously we meet them. So it's nice to have that yeah. on a selling England, a piece of music that I like. But you collect autographs. Is that your collection? I do. I,
0: I would say... I I like the artists to sign their work, kind of like an, a a visual artist. Uh, even though, even with my not super being into visual art, I like the idea of if I can get an artist to sign off on a CD or an album or something like that that's cool i wouldn't necessarily just go up with a scrap of paper and say oh steve hackett can you sign this scrap of paper for me like that <laughs> that doesn't mean anything to me like thats i'd rather have a photograph with somebody or or an album or something signed so yeah so i guess i do collect that in some ways i did at a certain point in the late early 2000s late or er, late to that late 2000s i should say I got into collecting singles, like 45 RPMs, especially yeah. picture sleeves and everything, because that I really liked. And it seemed like something that was a bit contained. And I didn't I don't want to say I didn't care about collecting like full size vinyl, but I was like, yeah, that's just that's just too much space. You know, I don't Whereas singles, at least for me, were, were a bit more contained. So, yeah, so getting CDs signed or, or albums signed, like most of the vinyl I have, I would keep now just because I'm like, oh, I could bring this if I'm going to see Steve Hackett and try to get him to sign it or something like that. Like, like I don't I don't have a record player. So all the vinyl I have is really just for show. <laughs> and yeah, like like I have some of the Genesis books. I have a couple tour books, but I remember seeing I think when I was in London one time at a, at a record show not a store, but kind of a record riot or a record, you know, um, kind of flea market, there was a tour book for the Calling All Stations tour, which I thought about buying, but then I was like, eh, I'm like, do I need this in my life? And (laughs) Especially now, like, again, you know, with, you know, dealing with, you know, my mom's passing earlier this year, and even my dad's to an, an extent, you know, it's like all this stuff becomes stuff or just junk to people. So it's like, If anything in my life, I'm trying to pare things down, not increase the amount of junk that I have, not because I'm looking to pass away anytime soon, but it's more just, do I really need, you know, a Calling All Stations tour book? And if one were to drop in my lap, sure, I'd happily take it. But I'm like, Dad, do I need to pay money for this? (laughs) (laughs) And so that's so I I I both get the collector's mentality because I went through with the singles and there's still some things back in the day that were like, again, 15 years ago when I was looking at this, where I'm like, oh, I could actually afford to buy some of this stuff now. Like, there was a Watcher of the Sky single that I remember seeing for $300. Oof. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and still, $300 would still be a bit oof today, but I'm like, but I could afford to spend $300 on that. But do I want to spend three? Do, I mean- I mean, part of me says, yeah, of course, why wouldn't you spend $300 on that? It's only money. But the other part of me goes, oh, and then you just have that moment of once you've bought it, you go, am I happier because of this?
1: <laughs> We're getting very philo- philosophical. It,
0: it is. And, and maybe that's just being, <laughs> I, I don't want to say older. I'm 52 years old. I'm not ancient or anything like that. But it's just kind of like, Yeah, it's it's nice to have, but it's also nice to know that it's out there and somebody has it and they get excited about it. Like that's that's what would be interesting about this book to me is is people being excited about their collections, because I am I'm 100 percent for people having things in their life that bring them happiness and joy, you know, and if collecting random Genesis concert buttons does that for you, more power to you. And if I ever find any and see them along the way happy to send them along or whatever. So like, actually there was the, the, I got some sort of promo recently where there were a couple Genesis buttons in it. And I think I gave you one because I was like, hey, there were two of them. I don't need two of these (laughs) things in my life. So here, have one. And again, it doesn't take up much space. And I don't know if you'd do anything other than throw it in a desk drawer or something like that. I got
1: 200 bucks on eBay for that. There you
0: go. All right. So, you know, it's (laughs) it's a cash revenue generator right there. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, there's, Going through a lot of my mom's stuff earlier this year, there were things that it was like, oh, you know, if I we did a yard sale or some type of estate sale or something, to probably get some money for this. But a lot of it ends up just being junked because you don't have time in your life to manage yeah. that type of thing. And at some point, you know, if you have a collection, do you sell it off before you get too old to deal with that type of stuff or does it just become junk for somebody else to throw away or not realize what it's valuable to? So outside of Genesis, do you have anything that you collect or outside of any, you know, do you collect stamps or coins or anything like that? Or
1: no, I mean, when I was a kid, mad magazines, I probably Ah, had a a ton of them. Like every, everyone I would buy, I would collect and, and keep it and, you know, look through past issues I think for a while I collected TV guides.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure, I well, I I did it with National Geographic, so that was oh, the that one was with the natives, thing. right? Of course, yeah. Well, <laughs> here's the thing: I, I did it because I wanted all the space articles, mm. and the, mm-hmm. I remember at the uh-huh. at the local food town there there was like the community board, and there was somebody selling fifteen years worth of National Ge- Geographics for fifteen dollars. So I convinced my mom that I can call this guy up and buy this stuff. And she was a trooper and she kind of said, okay, call the guy. I'm like, yeah, I want to buy these things. He's like, yeah, come on over. And my mom drove me over and I gave the guy 15 bucks and got, you know, a hundred and 200 and some magazines. And my goal was to read one article in each magazine. And I did over the course of however much time. So, and then at some point, I think probably when I, either when I went off to college or when I, When my mom sold the house and I went to kind of pack up all my stuff, I said, I don't need these in my life anymore. (laughs) And I threw them out because at some point that just becomes a hoard. It's not kind of it's not anything that that you need to have in your life.
1: What was that? The uh, right at the beginning of COVID, there was that cleaning Mm. clutter lady on. Oh, yeah. Marie
0: Kondo. Yeah. Does this bring you joy? Does it
1: it bring you joy?
0: Which I actually think is a good question to ask yourself. Yes. Like I, I have gotten in back into coin collecting. I collected coins as a kid and then for many years didn't do it because once you kind of find all the change you can in your pocket, you, you end up having to start buying things. And at a certain point, I didn't have money to buy stuff. So it was just like, well, I'm not going to collect coins then. And now I'm at a stage in my life where I'm like, oh, I actually have some money. I could buy some stuff now. And so I do. I've gotten back into that. In a very limited way, and I'm trying to be very focused about things. But I also, you know, I'm a big Star Wars nerd. And as a kid, I had all the tops trading cards. Mm. And I still have those. And ah. I've I've been buying some of the new Topps trading cards for Star Wars that are out there, which are great fun to collect but every time I spend money on them and then I get the box of stuff and I open it up and open up the packs and organize stuff. And then I put it in the three ring binders and all these things. And then I'm like, well, was that worth $200 that the (laughs) fun that I got from that and some, and, and that's sometimes, you know, yeah, that was worth, that was worth the money. Yeah. I had fun with that. It's why I don't get into comic books. It's, um, I read a comic book collection, you know, again, Star Wars stuff, the graphic novels or whatever. I can read those in an hour and they cost 20 to 30 bucks. And I was like, was that $20 of entertainment for me? And oftentimes I'm like, nah, I liked reading it, but I don't know if it's $20 worth. And so now it's the collecting is like, if you're going to spend money on it, it's like, okay, if I were to spend $300 on a Genesis single of Watcher of the Skies, is that going to give me $300 worth of enjoyment? Maybe. You kind of don't know until you do it. (laughs) And that's the problem.
1: (laughs) Among your collection, is there any one piece where, if someone was coming over who's a Genesis fan, you said, You probably haven't seen this. Let me show you this piece Hmm. of memorabilia. Is there one thing that stands out? Something that I have. um, I don't know. I don't know.
0: See, I don't have a lot of rare stuff, I don't think. I would say that, like, we were talking about autographs. I have a couple of the Japanese kind of CD, OB-strip card, you know, cardboard releases, you know, mini LP replicas that are CDs. And those are what I would get signed by the band when I've met them. And I have the lamb that's signed by Steve, Tony, and Mike. And I would love to get Peter and Phil to sign off on it. Because then I'd be like, oh, then it's a complete thing. I have, you know, Trespass signed by Aunt Mike and Tony. And it's like, oh, that's kind of cool to have. So there's stuff like that that I might show off. But anything that's rare, rare. I was given test CD, the, the DVD test pressings for the video box when it came out of three sides live mama tour and um whatever the third one was in there and everything so oh the invisible touch tour they actually well i don't know if the way we walk maybe it maybe it was way we walk and invisible to invisible touch tour and so those are kind of rare like i guess those are something that's pretty limited but i they're just sitting in a in a cd binder that i have so it's it's not like there's a box to them or anything and honestly, you look at them and they there's nothing special about them. They're discs with a little bit of printing on them. Test disc, you know, three sides live. And it's like, well, I guess that's a big... Like, if you're a collector, that's a big deal because it's rare. Right. And to me, it was given to me almost as a gift. And so I'm like, it's more the memory of the of the relationship that's important about it. So... Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't think I have, honestly, I don't think I have anything super rare. I really don't. I think it's more just that I have things that might have meaning in my personal story, which is, which is what you should be, what your collection should be, should be things you can tell people stories about, I guess. Again, but I don't want to tell people that they shouldn't collect things if it's just, if it is just for completeness sake, because there's a joy, talking about the Marie Kondo thing. There is a joy in collecting and in having a complete set of something. That matters. So, hey, and if it's exciting to you, then it's exciting to you.
1: And so. if you need help cleaning, just say, send me to the condo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: My, my two items. Yeah, what are your One, stuff? obviously, my Calling All Stations concert program. <laughs> of course. <laughs> which, I, which I did buy back in the day on eBay somewhere. Okay. So next time we see it, if you want to nice. see what it looks like, I can bring That's it. That's right. And the other thing, which it was kind of like an oddity, and I think that's why I like it, is Peter Gabriel in 2002 was on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Okay. And my now wife, who was just a friend back then, she got me in to see it because she worked at NBC. Okay. And long story short, I ended up meeting him later, but that's a story for another time. (laughs) But what she did is all the guests who are on the show, they have a dressing room okay and the show makes up these little placards you know laminated placards mm. that they put on their dressing room right so she grabbed his for me after the show so I Got have it. the placard from his door that says Peter Gabriel and in the bottom right the tonight show with Jay Leno right and that was on his dressing room door so That's I, cool I always thought that that was very cool yeah so I'll I'll parade that out in a yeah, time a big fan that, comes over,
0: right? Well, and that's something that's a little unique, and it is something right. that that no one else is going to have. You know, that's the thing that that there is something special to that, which I think is kind of cool. So, um, yeah, I think that that's you know what what that would go for on eBay.
1: Once I start weeding out the collection, I'll let you know. That's right.
0: We'll <laughs> we'll find that out. So, but that's the thing too, like. If you were, ever, if you ever knew you were going to meet Peter Gabriel, that would be one of the things I would say. Besides, maybe whatever your number one album is, is I would say bring that card with you and get him to sign off on that. And that's that's something you could tell him a story about. Oh, my wife, who I wasn't my wife at the time. You know, there's there's something a little unique about that that I think could be could be fun.
1: He would love to hear that story. <laughs> I'm sure.
0: Yeah, a, but I, I don't. He's know got one he,
1: foot in the limo, and I'm right. like. And so then I walked over to the studio and And then, then, and then, and then, and then, and and my (laughs) wife got this to me and I've had it forever. And then we got
0: married and then we had two kids (laughs) and they're both at the first name with a P, so because it's kind of like Peter and it's like, but, but those are the things that I'm like, but that is a unique story to tell. And I think that's, that's a little better than just like, Oh, you know, uh, like I saw you back in. 2003 or something like that like it it is there's a bit more of a narrative to it so i don't know but anyway that's yeah so so anything out but nothing outside of music stuff that kind of jumps out at you that you collect or anything like i mentioned the star wars stuff so
1: i'm just trying to get through my life day to day fair (laughs) enough (laughs) paring down as you said pairing that's right and keeping what i look at and does bring me joy
0: very good. So, well, listeners, what are your Genesis items that you have that are special that, you know, that you have that are interesting parts of collections or anything like that? Let us know. Share. Put it out on Twitter, on Facebook, or, not, again, it's not called Twitter anymore. I did start up a Blue Sky account for the Tabletop. It's a tabletop dot whatever all the Blue Sky garbage is at the end of the name there. So, but we have that now, which I need to do a little bit more posting for. But yeah, let us know what you collect, or or even like non stuff out there, or if you have Star Wars cards you want to get rid of, let me (laughs) know.
1: Send them to Michael. That's right. Send
0: them to me, so uh, we can we can work out interesting trades. That was a Seinfeld joke too. Interesting trades
1: accepted. So yeah, if if you are looking to read more about collectors and see some great photographs of rare Genesis memorabilia that you may not have ever seen before. The book is at the Genesis Museum. I don't know if it's .com, but just Google the yeah. Genesis Museum. It's a nice hardbound book, about a little less than 300 pages. Yeah. It has sections on like films, radio shows. I keep looking for the section on podcasters. I haven't found it <laughs> yet. Maybe <laughs> that's, that's, that's involved.
0: For the, I was going to say a, a second edition, perhaps. Second edition. Okay.
1: All right. So if you're listening, Adam, you know. Yes, there we
0: go. <laughs> and and we want to thank Mikey, the, our Mikey underwater Tower, friend. So the underwater friend, yeah. Thank you again, Mikey, for that. That is fantastic, and it's it's really appreciated because again, you know, we don't do this to get free stuff or anything like that. You know, it's but it's it it's really nice when when people do reach out, but and they feel that they've made a connection with the podcast with us and everything like that and we'll talk about this a little bit on on the episode about the the tour uh the gabriel tour and and like any of these tours it is about meeting people too so we'll talk a little bit about that too the next time we record yes which will be soon people very soon so i think that wraps it up anything else on your end tom
1: that's it for me
0: all right so well this is mike lord And Tom Roche. And this has been and will continue to be Tabletop Genesis.
2: With no way to see through them We struggle through the buzz and the grind I could see see what was showing you've scattered like a bag of seeds wherever the wind was blowing whatever bothers you
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Tabletop Genesis. Archived episodes can be found at TabletopGenesis.com, along with updates, polls, and various other podcast-related news. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes to have shows automatically downloaded to your computer when we post new episodes. To keep up with all the Tabletop Genesis activity, follow us on Twitter at genesis tabletop. You can like us on Facebook by searching for Tabletop Genesis, and you can email us directly at genesistabletop at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the podcast or send us questions we can address on future episodes.